First Peter chapter one. Let's just dive into the message before I say something and get in trouble. Yes. First Peter one, verse three through nine says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. He's not dead. He's alive. He's not just a story. He's still working. He's still moving. Amen. I love this part. Now we live with great expectation. Now we live with great expectation. That's why we say the best is yet to come. Because we have a great expectation. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Now watch this. And through your faith, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Let's call a timeout right here. Let me, let me share something with you. Many people in their lives will say that they have gotten saved. Am I right? Maybe when you were a kid in the, in the children's ministry, they led you in a prayer, and you gave your life to Jesus, and you got saved. Or perhaps you walked the aisle of a church, and you came down to the front, repeated a prayer, and that day, you got saved. Or maybe you went to the youth camp, and it was fired up for Jesus, and you knew, I need to get my life right with God because I'm convicted of every sin I've ever committed and every one I might commit. So I'm getting saved tonight. So you get saved. But when we're saved, there's this understanding that at that moment, yes, you are saved. But as you live your life, you are still being saved. Amen. It's not just I got saved and then heaven will come and we'll live happily ever after. You still have a life to live. You weren't just saved for heaven. You were saved for here. Amen. And so you have a life to live. And so God is saving you when he is convicting you of that sin to keep you from committing it because sin leads to death. And so God sends the convictor, the Holy Spirit, the counselor to help us to say no to sin so we can say yes to him. And in those moments, he is saving us. So, yes, I pray the prayer and I got saved. But as I live my life, I am being saved. And one day when I breathe my final breath and I enter into eternity, I am eternally saved. Amen. Just a little preaching moment right there. Just a little one. Okay. Let's get back to the verse. Okay. Verse five. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. Watch this. There is wonderful joy ahead. Come on, let, let's look at this again. There is wonderful joy ahead. There is wonderful joy ahead. I feel like you need to get more excited about that. Because there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though, say even though, you must endure many trials for a little while. Look at your neighbor and say a little while. It's a little while. Mom, when are we leaving? In a little while. <laughs> y'all ever heard that one before? Can I go? In a little while. A little while could be a few hours. And in some houses, it's a few days. 
That was my house. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Watch this, verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So many people live their life trying to acquire wealth, and they got a lot of money, but not a lot of faith. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be salvation of your souls. Isn't that such a good verse? Some good stuff. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that speaks life, not just to our ears, but even to our bones, even to our souls. Thank you that your word is alive. It is life-giving and it is life-changing. And I pray today as we unpack everything in these verses, I pray we will be encouraged, Father. I pray that we will have faith that will be a conviction that will last and endure through any trial. I ask you to give me the help to speak this message today the way you want it spoken. I pray you give us ears to hear what you're speaking today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. We're in this series right now called Built to Last. Built to Last. We started with week one talking about families that last. Come on, how many of you want a family that's going to last? Keep going, keep going, keep going. And then last week we started talking about a faith that will last. And I'm going to carry on with that today. Before we do, though, because we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, this is the time of the year where we're reminded, where we're reminded to be thankful. But we're supposed to be thankful all the time. Amen. All the time, we should be thanking God. We should be thanking people in our lives. We should live with a heart of gratitude and always be thankful. But it's this time of the year that we're reminded to be thankful for everything that we have. And this week, we'll gather together with family and friends, not just to eat some turkey. Hopefully, it's fried. Amen. Amen. Not dry, but fry. That's a word. Somebody write that down. We'll have great time together with our families, but this is time of the year that we're reminded to be thankful, and not just to feel that way, but to say it, to say it. Come on, how many of you, you can say it to somebody? I could tell you thank you. I could tell my wife thank you. Y'all know I married a good woman. Y'all know that? Really good, really, really good woman. I'm not who I am without her, and I'm thankful for her. I got good kids. I do, man. I love my kids. I didn't say my kids would beat up yours. I just said I got good kids. I love my kids, and I'm thankful for my kids. I got good parents, too. I do, man. I'm thankful for my parents. I got some brothers. A couple of them are crazy, but we love them, and they would say the same about me, but I'm thankful for them. I love this church. I'm thankful for you. I mean, think of this, man. If you didn't come today, I'd be up here preaching all by myself, and that would just be a mess. I'm thankful for our team. 
everyone who serves. There are people serving right now. We won't, they won't even be in here for this message. I'm thankful for them. Yeah. Just, just handling business so that you can be in here. Yeah. Watching your kids yeah. that you're thankful for. <laughs> Amen? Just thankful, man. Just for all these people that are, that are a part of our lives that, that just make it awesome. And so I'm just super thankful, and um, I, I pray that you feel that way, too. In fact, your gratitude and telling people thank you will change your mood. Yeah. It will. And so if you woke up this morning on the wrong side of the bed, find somebody to say thank you to, and you will get back on the right side. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, before we go to Thanksgiving, I want to talk about faith a little bit, okay? Um, when I was a kid, I remember growing up in church, and um, we had a lot of construction worker guys in our church, worked really hard, and they always had back issues, and uh, it was pretty common, I mean, when you work really hard, and you work with your hands, and uh, it's not uncommon to see a bunch of guys that have back pain, and I remember as a kid seeing these men uh, ask for prayer, and that was a time in and of itself that I think was incredible that a man would go and ask for prayer from another man. I pray we get back to those days. And uh, I, I can recall where they would ask for prayer. And I remember uh, the men of the church, whenever they would pray for him, would sit him down in a chair with a straight back on it. And, and it was funny when we were a kid, but now I'm older, I have a lot more respect for it. They would say, check their legs. And they wanted to see if one leg was shorter than the other. And nine times out of 10, their back pain was coming because one leg was shorter than the other. Some of you are smarter than me, and so you got all the reasons why that is like it is. And uh, all I know was when I was a kid, I saw one leg shorter than the other. And whenever the men laid hands on this guy and began to pray for him, the leg that was shorter would grow out and would match the other leg. And, th and this wasn't a show. This was real stuff. Like this guy was in pain, and after they prayed for him, he, was in, he had relief. It was incredible to watch this, and as a kid, you would see it, and I, I can remember even as kids, we would joke around and pretend, you know what I'm saying? We'd sit in the chair and act like one leg is shorter, and one of our friends would pray for us, and we'd make the leg grow out, and it'd grow out further. It was like, oh no, this one's longer than the one that was good. Pray for him again, and then the other leg would grow out, you know, we'd just have so much fun with it. It's funny. Now, whenever you hear me explain it that way, but I didn't realize when I was a kid, I was witnessing miracles. Simple miracles right there in front of me. And it was quite impressive. It, 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 was, it, it left an impression on me. Even whenever I have back pain, uh, when no one's looking, this is pretty sad. I'll sit in a chair and check my legs just to see. I mean, I've learned the technique. I watched these men do it. But it, it, it's, it's amazing how moments of faith can change people's lives, but how little we make of it. How little we make of it because we have our other means. We have our other methods and everything. And some would hear this story and be amazed by it and say, wow, uh, that took faith just to pray for the guy because what if nothing happens? See, that's where we're at. We're so mental now. Well, I don't want to pray for them because if nothing happens, I've made this person feel terrible. But what if you do pray for them and they are healed? You made this person feel amazing. It's going to take some faith. And the question for us is, am I living with a faith that is going to last? So when I was a kid, we, we made fun of it. 
But now I've matured in my faith enough to realize that I need a faith that is more than just an inspiration. I need faith that serves as an example. I need faith that lasts. Um, I can remember when we were youth pastors, there was a girl in our youth group that uh, hurt her knee. She was on the track team. She was really good. She hurt her knee running track and was uh, supposed to have surgery for a torn ACL. And um, she asked us to pray for her. And sometimes in those moments, what we will do as believers is we will pray what I like to call a courtesy prayer. You know what I'm saying? A courtesy prayer. Oh, bless you, dear brother. Bless you, dear sister. Let us pray with you. Oh, Father, whatever your will may be, whether it's to heal them or not, we are so thankful for this dear soul that your hand is on them. God, help them with this. Ease their pain in Jesus' name. That's what we'll do. And that's nice for them personally. But when you're talking about spiritually, I don't want you praying for me like that. If I go down, I need you to tear up the doors of heaven to get God's attention to help a brother out. Am I right? Seriously. If someone's in pain, don't pray a courtesy prayer. Let's go to the throne of God boldly with confidence because that's what Jesus said we could do. All right. And so I remember we prayed for her, and um, she goes to have her surgery, and the surgeon was surprised because whenever they were beginning the surgery, her ACL was not torn. She was actually healed. And I know it's blowing some minds in here because with our natural minds, we cannot put that together how God could do that because we have put ourselves in the center of our own universe to believe that I can fix it or that that person or the expert, they can take care of doing it, overlooking that God can do it. Amen. And nothing against the experts, nothing against those people, but it's the reliance and dependence upon God. Because even if you need an expert, a doctor or whoever is that professional that is helping you, you definitely want God leading them and guiding them. Am I right? And so why not go to the source? So I've come to appreciate faithfulness. I've come to appreciate what God is able, and let me say it like this, capable of doing. And just because God doesn't do things the way that I like doesn't mean that God isn't able. That just means he knows better. Amen? He knows what he's doing, and it's not God's job to bow to our will. Amen? He hears our requests, but he has a will that's way better than what you and I can come up with. And so whenever we begin to examine faith, what I've learned is that it's easy to have in the moment faith. In the moment. But what about long-term, long-time faith? Not just when there is a crisis. There's plenty of Superman Christians that in the moment of crisis can quickly run to the phone booth, put on the Superman Christian suit, and then run out and feel strong. But what about the believers that just do this every day? Just every single day. And I don't need a cape, and I don't need a suit because I got Jesus. Amen? And I'm faithful, and God is faithful. And I just want to live in step with him. This is where you've got to have faith to trust God in the biggest question marks of your life. 
Can you trust him in the big question marks? Faith to keep believing even though you may be suffering. Even though you may be hurting. Can we still hold on to faith? Our faith in God. Even though we may be going through some trials. Even though we may be enduring a test. I'm talking about faith that isn't just a phase in our lives. Faith until it gets better and then we go back. This is the typical cycle of modern day Christianity. It's a phase. It's not faith. It's a phase. For now, I'm going to get it right. But once everything goes good, and watch this, and I don't have to worry about it anymore, I will go back to normal. And what if God is saying, I don't want to go back to normal? In fact, what if God is trying to deliver you from normal to get you to what's next? What if he's trying to break the cycle of everyday routine that is not leading to faithfulness, but it's disguised in a trial? But it's disguised in something that you're walking through, through a generational curse that he's trying to break, but it's the norm in our family. Come on, we are the Moran family. That's how we live. Well, that's not who you are in Christ. That might be who you are in your family, but in Christ, come on. You're a new creation. Old things are passed away. You don't have to bring that with you to the next generation. You don't have to. So we're not talking about faith that's just a phase. We're talking about faith that endures. And there's a Bible verse in Luke 18 that should literally serve as an alarm. Now I know some of you, you have that alarm set on your phone where it's like 18 of them. Set every three minutes apart. Y'all know those people? I have those people in my house. Come on, how many of you would be willing to admit? Intervention time. You got multiple alarms set. It starts an hour before you wake up. Just so that you can trick yourself into believing that you had more time to sleep. I'm going to drop a bomb on you today. You ain't getting more time to sleep. you just waking yourself earlier with an agitation. No wonder you're in a bad mood. You would do better just to set one alarm and wake up when it really goes off. Amen. Amen. Some of you are like, I don't like this church. I'm getting out of here. Okay. Oh, now we got them stirred up. If you can't talk about football, you can talk about waking up. Don't mess with my sleep. Y'all need help. Here's the Bible verse, though. Luke 18, verse 8, it says, But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Now, you're sitting here today like, Pastor Wade, I'm at church. I have faith. I know people who aren't here. Check me out, bro. Okay. But it starts, but when the Son of Man returns... And this is what's interesting about when the Son of Man returns. No one knows when that is. And so I feel like this Bible verse is saying, be ready with your faith. Be ready because if and when he returns, let him find us faithful. Let him find us faithful. In fact, I should have put the verse in. Do you know that the world's sin, as crazy as the world is, how many of y'all know we got a crazy world? How many of you know there are people in here that are contributing to that? 
Some of you raising your hand, and it might be you. <laughs> it might be you. <laughs> Don't say nothing to them. They'll figure it out. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper, and he says when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. And guess what he says the world's sin is? I know you want to say, oh, it's perversion, Pastor Wade. It's all these weird beliefs that people have. No, this is what he says it is. The world's sin is unbelief. It's unbelief. And you're sitting there saying, I can't believe that. Exactly. It's unbelief. (laughs) It's unbelief. The world's sin is that they do not believe God. Now, you and I are trained through our culture that you can believe whatever you want. And you know what? That is true. You can believe that the sky is green if you want to. Go for it. It's not true. But if that's your truth, roll with it, honey. I'm just going to let you know. It ain't going anywhere. That's as far as you go. But to trust in God, the one who created it all, the one who who put the earth in motion, the one that put the star in the sky and said, stay there. The one that told the ocean, that's far enough. The one that told the mountain, rise up. When you have the opportunity to be in a relationship with the one who created it all and base your faith off of who he is rather than all the things that he created, you got a better chance of a better future and an eternity with him than you do if you create your own belief system. Amen? So what I'm saying is don't get your beliefs from what is created. Get it from the one who created it all. Now you know why the enemy has been after the creation story forever. To cause us to lose our faith in the one who created it all and put it in creation. That's why. So we started talking about a faith that lasts. Last week we talked about committing to God's word. That you cannot last without God's word. And you cannot last off of refrigerator verses and memes. Amen? You know those pretty little verses that are on social media all the time? You can't live off of that. That's like living off of an M&M every day. Just give me a minute. No, you need some meat. You need to read the Bible verses you don't like. You know what I'm saying? You need to dive into some of them, like in the book of James. James is a rough book. That ain't a pretty book. Seriously. That will challenge you. Uh, even First and Second Peter, that's why I pulled that one out today. Because it'll talk about things like suffering. And we don't want to talk about suffering. We want to be as far away from suffering as we can. But when you're suffering, you wish you would have learned about suffering. Isn't it funny how, how we go through all the training and everything? We get a job, and then whenever it gets hard, we say things like, well, they never taught us this in school. They may have, we just may not been paying attention that day. Or we skipped. None of y'all did that, but some of us. Committing to God's word. Committing to God's ways. God's way of doing it rather than my way. You ever got together to work with someone and they're like a very strong personality? And you're a very strong personality? And you both know how to do it? But they don't know how to do it? but you do, and they think you don't know how to do it, but they do, and you got to work together. This is a lot of how it is when it comes to following God's ways. 
And can I tell you, he is not going to relent. It's not like God's going to say, sure, do it your way. We will do it our way, but it's not like he's sitting there putting a stamp of approval because he knows you coming back. You know that whole, I told you so? <laughs> he doesn't do it. But I wonder sometimes if he should. Seriously. But it's this understanding of, God, I need your word, all of it. This isn't the buffet. This is the Bible. I want it all. God, I want to follow your ways, your way of handling that conflict instead of my way, because my way is I'm going to let them know. But your word is keep silent. That conflicts. Now, I not only, not only have a conflict with them, I have a conflict with me. You better help me. His ways, his word, and his will. Isn't it funny when we don't know what to do, we always refer to God's will? Like I mentioned earlier in the prayer, I don't know what to pray, so I'm just going to pray God's will. And this is what I found. It's not when we don't know what to do that we need to be worried about God's will. It's when we do know what to do that we need to be concerned about God's will. Because sometimes when I do know what to do, it may not match up with his will. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. So this is what I'm saying. Your relationship with God is more important than anything else in your life. That's what I'm saying. Here's the second thing we talked about. If we're going to have a faith that lasts, we have to eliminate the options. Got to eliminate the options. Too many times we leave all the options open because if that doesn't go the way I want, then I can always go with that option. And when it comes to following Jesus, you have to eliminate the options or else you won't follow Jesus. You'll just wait around to see if there's any other way to do this. And if you can't find another way, you'll wave at Jesus and say, I'll catch you. I'll see you. I'll get there eventually. And Jesus is like, I got so much for you, but I need to see what they're doing. You got to eliminate the options. One of the things we hit on last week was eliminating the quit option. Eliminate the option to quit, to quit. You can't just always come up with the idea of quitting. Well, if it don't work, I'll just quit. That's not going to help you to develop some endurance. Like in your marriage, you can't just always throw out the D word. You can't. If you throw it out all the time, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Seriously, you have to say, we're not quitting. We're going to figure it out. We're going to change. That's what it's saying. At work, you can't always throw the quit option around. You will find yourself jobless. And a whole entire economy that needs people to come to work. Seriously, you will find your, and why is it? It's not because of the job. It's because we quit. Too many people just give themselves the option to quit when they need to learn the option to stay faithful. Amen? Stay faithful. Stay the course. Stick with it. When it comes to faith in God, I can't quit. I must stay the course. Amen? Keep doing it. Keep reading the Bible. Keep praying. Keep throwing your hands in the air even though I don't feel a thing. Keep going to church even though there's that one person that gets on my last nerve and the coffee wasn't that good last week. I'm still going to church. Amen? Come on, let's go. The coffee was great. I had some today. Not our church, that other church. A faith that lasts commits to God's word, his ways, his will, eliminates the options, and follows godly examples. Follows godly examples. Who is your faith example? Who is it that you see that, man, they are faithful, and I want to, I want to live faithful like they live? 
Who are you looking to? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because if we are surrounded completely by people who are unfaithful to God, it's going to be a lot easier to be unfaithful. Seriously. But if you surround yourself with people who are faithful to God, better chances of you being faithful. Amen. So let's go to number four today. Okay, this is where we carry on. Number four, if we're, if we're going to have a faith that lasts, we must be planted in God's house. See how it follows up? Number three, we must be planted in God's house. Psalm 92, 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will what? Flourish. That's weak. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will? Planted in the house of the Lord, they will? Flourish. Flourish. That's a strong word. That means it's going to grow. You're going to grow. You're going to produce fruit. You're going to live life to the fullest, but you've got to be planted in God's house. Let me, let, me, let me give it to you like this. Faith is like a seed, okay? And seeds are meant to grow and produce good fruit. That seed that you've been given, that seed of faith, it grows when it is planted in God's house, which is the church, amen? If you want a faith that is going to last, you must stay planted in God's house no matter what. And the reason why I bring that up is so many people, watch this, they quit church. And when they make the decision to quit church, they are laying a path for them to lose faith. Seriously. When you make the decision that you're quitting church, you're stepping onto the path of losing faith. Your faith will not remain. And I know what you want to throw. Pastor Wade, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I know. But if you're going to stay a Christian... You better stay in God's house. Amen? Amen? Too much, too much going on in our world that we're throwing churches like crazy under the bus because they did this and they did that. And listen, I know we got stuff to work on, but at what point are we going to realize there is no perfect church because there are no perfect people? And all the churches that have hurt people, it wasn't the church, it was a person. And there are crazy people at Walmart. There are crazy people at Publix. There are crazy people at your kid's school. And the other parents are saying, I know. People are everywhere. And we still go. We still go. And people will throw just, I ain't going to this. I ain't doing that. You got to stay planted in God's house. And this is the deal. It must become a conviction. A conviction. As for me and my house, this is what we do. I know y'all might not, but that's what we are going to do. Amen? Amen. Staying plugged in, staying planted, just staying in God's house. Faith that lasts. Here's the next one, number five. A faith that lasts is a faith that takes action steps. A faith that takes action steps. James 2, verse 26. Here we go. The book of James. It'll, it'll hit you, man. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So watch this. Your faith isn't just a spiritual opinion. It's a way of living. This is how we live. Faith always leads you to take a step. Now, many people, their faith that they want to have is the faith that leaves them in place to, uh, to check out what other people are doing so that from the place that they're in, they can manage a.k.a. criticize what other people are doing as they take their steps. 
we have too many spiritual opinions and not enough spiritual convictions. And that comes from sitting. And I would call it this, strong, but you can, you can handle it. I would call it lazy faith. Lazy faith. Yeah, you got a position on it, but your position ain't going nowhere. I call that stuck. Amen? Your faith should cause you to take steps. That's what I love about young people, by the way. I love young people because they're always thinking about the next step. We get older, you know, we thinking, I ain't taking no step. I'm staying right here. Can I just tell you this? God isn't finished with you. And there's still a step for you to take. And if you want to have a vibrant walk with God, get ready to take some steps. But if you just want to shut down and endure to the end, stay right where you're at. And I don't know if you're going to make it. There's some steps that God has in front of you. It's an action step. God wants us to take action as the church. So I'll ask you this. What are you doing with what you believe? And if the only thing you can do with what you believe is argue with somebody else, you don't have a faith. You don't. You have a strong opinion that you're getting some type of satisfaction from arguing with somebody and winning. And that's not the winning that we're called to, amen? We're called to win souls. We're called to win the battle over sin. We're called to win the battle over complacency. We're called to win the world to Jesus. Amen? So faith is going to require some action steps. And those action steps aren't just to get something, but it's to become someone. Amen? Not just, oh, I'm going to take a faith step because God's going to bless me. It's taking the action steps so I can be a blessing. And here's the thing. If I'm a blessing, there is blessing in my life. So let's not just put ourselves in the place of consumer Christianity, that it's all about what I can get. But let's put ourselves in the place of commission Christianity, where it's like, I'm going to take what God's putting in my life, and I'm going to share it with others. And as long as I keep sharing it and keep giving it, God's going to keep blessing and keep pouring into my life. And it's a flow. I'm going with the flow, Pastor Wade. Let's go. Action steps. It's going to take faith in God to accomplish God assignments. If you're praying, God, use me, the one thing that God's going to do, if you say, God, use me, is he is going to test you in your faith. And this is the part that most people don't consider because they think, God, tell me what to do, and I'm going to go and do it. And that is not how it works. God will tell you to do something, and he will grow you into who you need to be so you can do it. Amen? It's all about growing you and maturing you into who you need to be so that you will last. Amen? God's smart enough not to just throw you on the deep end. Amen? He's going to start out with the zero entry. You know what I'm saying? And he's going to walk you. Now listen, you may say, I like it about two feet. And he's like, nah, that, that's not where the fun is. Well, that's where you are now. But come on, let's go a little deeper. And a little deeper, come on, you've been in the faith 28 years and you're still on the shallow end. That's getting weird because you're hanging out with the little ones. Let's go. Let's go to the deep end. Amen? Let's go. And then we're just sitting there criticizing the people, diving off. Oh, look at them just showing off their faith. No, they have grown to the place that they're no longer afraid. See what I'm saying? They're no longer afraid of the journey because now they've learned how to live by faith and they can actually enjoy it. That's why Jesus said things like this. He endured the cross. That was the joy set before him. I don't know anything joyful about suffering 
unless you see the other side. And when you see the other side, you see people like you and me that he was saving from their sins. And that's why he made it the joy set before him. It wasn't just sign me up for suffering. It was sign me up to be a savior so I can help those who are suffering come to live a life that they were meant to live. Amen. Thank God he saw it that way. Imagine Jesus on the cross. Look at all these filthy sinners out here. They don't deserve this kind of love. Soldier, get me down from here. He stayed up there because he thought you were worth it. Amen? He was faithful. Thank God he was faithful or else we wouldn't be here today. He was faithful. He put some action to his faith. You and I, we've got to put some action to our faith. And I can't tell you how incredibly awesome God is because the way he packages all this, it's always a setup. He sets it up. Listen, he puts you in a church and gives you perfect action steps within the body of Christ. Things like giving. That takes faith to give. Can I get an amen? It takes faith to serve, right? It does. It takes faith to serve. It takes faith to lead. It does because it's headache. Can we say that? We can? Yeah. It takes faith to say, yeah, I'll lead them. It takes faith to say, I'll lead a small group. It does. It takes faith to say, check me on the box for kids this week. Put me in that classroom with that kid. I'll lead them to Jesus. It takes faith. Sharing your faith. It takes faith. Because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And we have a culture that unless I know it all, I won't do it. But God is saying, I want to take you places and I won't tell you all about it. But can you trust me? Can you trust me as a good God who is your heavenly father that loves you more than anyone else? That sees the beginning from the end? That sees the plans that I have for you, says the Lord? Can you trust me? Because no one else loves you like I do. Action steps. Is your faith taking action? Here's the next one. A faith that lasts is a faith that is spirit-filled and spirit-led. Spirit-filled and spirit-led. I was hoping to get an amen right there, but don't do it now. Don't do it now. You missed it. Spirit-filled and spirit-led. Jesus told us about the helper, the Holy Spirit. He told us about the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And if our faith is going to last, we need help. Look at your neighbor right now and just tell them you need help. Some of y'all been wanting to tell them that for a long time. You need help. Look at your other neighbor and say, help me. Help me. <laughs> Some moms looking at their kid right now. Help me do the dishes. <laughs> God knew you were going to need help, and he's so faithful that before you even took the step, he said, let me give him a helper. Let me give him a helper because they're going to need it. So he gave us his very spirit. Watch this verse in Jude chapter 1, verse 20. One of the most unread books of the Bible is the book of Jude. You should read it this week. You can read it in 30 minutes, the whole book. You will feel so accomplished. You'll be walking around at Thanksgiving saying, I just read an entire book of the Bible. (laughs) The book of Jude. One chapter. (laughs) You can handle that. 
Level one, reading. You know what I'm saying? This is the verse, though. Two verses in there, verse 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That is a verse that's just pointing to, I need the Holy Spirit. And you say, praying the Holy Spirit, what that's all about. I will say it like this. Praying the Holy Spirit is praying what God wants instead of what you think all the time. Because so many times we go into prayer and all we want to pray for is all the things that we want. You know what I'm saying? But have you ever prayed, God, help me to take the step that you want me to take? No, we pray prayers like, God, let's find another way. I have an idea for you, Lord. (laughs) You ever done that? How many of you ever tried to negotiate with God? Come on, let's just be honest. When I was a student years ago, I would negotiate with God, Lord. If you help me pull an A on this exam, I will go to the remote villages in Africa for a week and share the good news. Come on, how many of y'all ever done that before? Lord, if you get me out of this trouble with my mama, I will go to church this weekend, and on that one last song at the end, I will lift my hands. Y'all ever done that, or is that just me? Just me? Okay, anyway, it worked. Spirit-filled and spirit-led. He gave us the Holy Spirit, watch this, to remind us of everything he said. Holy Spirit will remind you of what he said. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength to keep going. The Holy Spirit will lead you to take the next step. You ever heard somebody say it like this? I don't know what it is, just something tells me I need to Take this step. And everybody else thinks you're crazy. Now, I'm not talking about to commit sin. It's like when that person says, I just feel like the Lord's leading me to give 10% of my income as a tithe to the church. That's crazy, bro. I know, just the Holy Spirit's leading me to do it. Well, do you think that's a wise practice? If the Holy Spirit is leading me to do it, it is wise. Amen? Do you feel the Lord... Do you feel the nudge to take a step? Do you feel a nudge to go and tell that person, I'm sorry? I'm talking about within your own house. You should tell them you're sorry. You ever heard that before? Like in your house after the big blow up, you should tell them you're sorry. You know, I ain't telling them I'm sorry. They were the one that started this. You should tell them you're sorry. I don't know who you are that's talking to me, but I'll fight you too. (laughs) Y'all know that one? Don't ever get seen in public talking like that to yourself because that's where people call people. (laughs) Chances are that's the Holy Spirit trying to help you so you don't wreck your house, so you don't ruin your relationship. Amen? You should go apologize to your kid. Well, I just corrected them because they're living crazy. I know, but you should go apologize to them. No, they need to come apologize to me. And the Holy Spirit, like, no, you need to go apologize to them. See, God gave you the Holy Spirit to help you because he wants you to make it. He wants you to have a faith that lasts. Or or you hear that voice that says, you need to get out of here. Yeah, but all my friends here, you need to get out of here. Yeah, but I told him I was going to be, you need to get out of here. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get you out of something before you get into something. And you know what I found? 
We try to be everybody else's Holy Spirit. Tell them what God wants them to do. When we need to hear the Holy Spirit for ourselves and quit trying to tell other people what to do and let the Holy Spirit lead us and tell us what we need to do. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm not hearing from God. I think we're hearing from God a lot more than we're giving Him credit for. It just doesn't sound like an angel showing up in your room in the middle of the night with all the these and thous and the behold. Sometimes it's, get out of here. Sometimes it's, hey, sh- shut your mouth. So, well, I don't talk to my kids that way. Some of y'all need the Holy Spirit to talk to you like that. Like this week when you're with your family and you're tempted to say a bunch of stuff, you might want to let the Holy Spirit have access and tell you, hey, zip it. Amen? Look at your neighbor right now and just tell them you might need to zip it. <laughs> zip it. See, I got y'all preaching the hard stuff today so you don't blame me. God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. And it's as simple as this. Can I help you? It's as simple as this. When you know you're facing something, God, I need you. God, I need your Holy Spirit today. When that person comes around, it's always a conflict. And I'm tempted to say things I don't need to say. God, I I need your help today to say things the right way. And he will help you. Can I tell you how many meetings I've had with people that I've had to pray, Holy Spirit, you better help me because I know me. I will say some things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all, y'all would say some things to do? The Holy Spirit, you better help this brother out because I will do stuff. If we're going to have a faith that lasts, it's going to take a dependency on the Holy Spirit. Here's the next one. i got to hurry. Number seven is a faith that fights the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight, y'all. That's not negative. That's just how it is. It's a fight. Even the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to Timothy, his spiritual son, in 1 Timothy 6. He says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. And sometimes I've found in my own faith, i got to get a little violent. Yeah. Because when all hell breaks loose against you, That little pretty faith. And a lot of times it's more for you than it is for the situation. When we were singing that part of that song this morning, come on my soul, don't you get shy on me. We got too many people with a shy faith. And the devil is just steamrolling people because we don't want to be weird. Listen, I'd rather be weird than dead. Amen? And this is where you've got to have some boldness in your faith regardless of your personality and stir up your soul and say, devil, you're not taking me out today. You're not taking my family out. You're not going to do this to my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you come at me, I'm coming at you. And sometimes you've got to have an attitude of faith. My parents, when they watch a ball game, it's hilarious. It is amazing because they will they will look at a team and just how they run out, they will say, oh, we ain't winning. Look at that. They ain't even fired up. They, I mean, they don't have the right attitude. And to a degree, it's true. Because if you carry 
body language, body of Christ, body language, that you were defeated, chances are that's how you're going to live. But you were meant for victory. You were meant for freedom. You were meant to overcome. You were meant for so much more than what we're living. We're living trying to scratch and barely make it when God meant for you to thrive. Amen? That was the life that he has for you. And it's sometimes it takes a fight. And I just want to know, what's taking the fight out of you? What is taking, you see, we're fighting with friends, we're fighting with our spouses, we're fighting with our kids, and really, every day, we should be doing warfare with the devil. We're worn out from fighting each other. At what point will you say, I'm not fighting with my wife anymore, devil tomorrow morning, you and me, 6 a.m., it's on. I'm not fighting with my son no more, devil tomorrow morning, you and me, it's on. Amen? It's on. This is a faith that lasts. And too many times we just feel like I gotta be one of those, I barely make it kind of if I just barely make it into heaven by the skin on my teeth. That ain't how I'm living. Amen. We're coming. We're coming. And I'm bringing my wife and my kids too. And I'm bringing the rest of my family. I'm bringing a bunch of people with me. Let's go. You see, it's just this attitude of faith. And that's not just hype. I know where my authority comes from. Amen? I'm carrying. Some of y'all get nervous. I'm carrying. I got something in me that's greater than the things that are in this world. I'm carrying. I got the Holy Spirit. I got the presence of God living within my life. So if you come against me with fire and flood, that's okay. I got a standard that I will raise up against you. No weapon formed against me. It's going to prosper. Amen? I got something in me. I'm carrying. Faith fights. Faith that fights. Here's the last thing. Faith that lasts is a faith that worships Jesus no matter what. A faith that worships Jesus no matter what. It hurts, Pastor Wade. I'm still going to throw my hands and worship God because God is still good. It ain't good, but He's still good. Amen? I know it's hard. I know you're going through a lot. I know you came in here today and emotionally and mentally you're spent. But spiritually, if you could just let your spirit come alive, all of those things in your mind, all of those things in that emotion will come into alignment with your spirit and God will help bring deliverance. He will break the chains. He will bring breakthrough to your life. Sometimes you got to say, I'm going to worship him no matter what. I'm going to throw, I don't feel like it today. My arms are even tired. I'm still going to worship him. I'm going to get in the truck and I'm going to crank the music. I'm going to sing at the top of my lungs. Because worship is my weapon. It's my weapon. Come on, how many of you want a faith that lasts? Faith that lasts. Someone needs to catch an attitude place. Quit being grumpy and start being godly. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I want you to lift your hands all across this room. You might be sitting there today saying, why is this happening to me? Why did God let this happen? And I'm here today not to tell you why. But I'm here today to tell you who who's going to get you through it because I don't know why but I know God calls us all things to work together and Father every person in this place today I believe there's a lot of people that want to have a faith that lasts they want to be faithful 
not just people with a spiritual opinion about the Bible or with some perspective about you, but people that want a long-lasting relationship with you that transforms their lives completely. So, Father, today I pray that their faith will grow. I pray that no matter the test or the trials that they are facing, I pray that you will cause their faith to mature. I pray you will grow them through the entire process. And I pray that everything the enemy does to try to stop them, to try to destroy their faith or steal their faith, I thank you that there is a standard that is already raised up in their life. I thank you that we can take up the shield of faith to block every single dart that the enemy tries to throw at us. I pray, God, for a church that has a faith that lasts, that lasts through all of the cultural changes, that lasts through every educational system, that lasts through every song, that lasts through every trend, that lasts through social media, that lasts through all of the pop culture. I pray, God, that we will have a faith that's built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I pray that when we're in the storm, we will have a faith that will not fail because our faith is based on you. I pray that we won't lose hope, but Father, we will hang on to you as the anchor for our souls. I pray today that our minds will be set at ease because you are in the house, because you are in the room. I pray Pray, Father, that we will see the possibilities of what can be done, not because of our strength, but because of your strength. I pray that we will be a church and a generation that our eyes are open to see the possibilities of miracles that can take place. Miracles in the home, miracles in the body, miracles in the church, miracles in the community. Father, I just pray that you will awaken faith, faith in this house. I pray, God, that you will rise up, that you will cause leaders to rise up. I pray for sons and daughters to be completely filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray for moms and dads to lead with a spirit of wisdom, Father. I pray for men. I pray for men today to rise up with a conviction and a heart of leadership, to walk in godly authority and lead the next generation, to lead our homes, to lead the body of Christ forward. I pray for women to have a beautiful, secure spirit that isn't wrestling with image, but is fighting the very forces of the enemy, Father. I pray today that there will be an awakening in the church, an awakening in the body of Christ. We know that the just will live by faith. I pray for faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Woo! Happy Thanksgiving.